If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, ugh, gross. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber rich. Tallgrass begs to differ. Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan's exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free! It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more, because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pot for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pot for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Ran Productions, which is me, and can be found anywhere you get your podcast. I am, as always, your chief philanthropod, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod, Chris Miller. And today, our guest is Mike Kreef, writer, photographer, and jack-of-all-trades for the Black Wall Street Times. We talked to Mike about bringing down the north leg of the IDL, the commemoration of the race massacre, and why he says GIF wrong. Oh, and also aliens. Yes. He definitely says GIF wrong. Pod for Good is making that a policy right now. It is pronounced GIF with a G. Not GIF. Yeah. Because GIF is peanut butter. We all agree on that. Enjoy. We are very excited to have Mike Kreef on the podcast today. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful for a Monday. Extremely busy Monday that I wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be busy, but yeah, I literally just got off work, had chance to run to Chipotle, grab a burrito bowl, go home, scarf it down, let my dog out and come here. So nice. it's pretty, pretty good day if you ask me. Yeah. So for our audience, we're recording this on uh, May 24th. So we are all in the the beginning of what is going to be a very exhausting and emotional week for Tulsa as we commemorate, I think is the word we've been using, mm-hmm. the uh, centennial of the Tulsa Race Massacre. And we have Mike on one because he's cool and he's my friend. And also <laughs> the biggest reason. Yes, true. <laughs> I mean, podcasting is really just to invite your friends and record the conversation. <laughs> exactly. That's my understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Conan and Obama are doing. So <laughs> anyway, but you are currently a sort of content creator and writer and journalist for the Black Wall Street Times. Since you're talking about that, you're fairly new. So what brought you to Black Wall Street Times, to journalism. Yeah. So what's crazy is I never, well, first of all, I didn't go to school for anything. I went to college for one year in at a small liberal arts school in Virginia back in 2008. And then I only did that for one year, moved out to Tulsa and came to Bible school. So no really like academic training past high school or anything like that. Cause my one year in college was girls and you who was pretty much all I, <laughs> all I was focused on. But I was an insurance agent for about like seven years after I moved here to Tulsa. And then kind of once oh, towards the end of those seven years, I kind of just got to the point I was in my later 20s where I got to the point where you know I was waking up every day. I wasn't really excited about the job that I had. And so I went to teach for a little bit or well, I was supposed to be like a teacher's assistant at a um, like a middle school here in, in Tulsa County Public Schools. And Literally from my first day on the job, I get there again. So no academic background, not even a teacher's certificate, like an emergency teacher certificate that Tulsa gives out like it's it's candy because we were, we have that little amount of teachers. None of that stuff. I get there my first day. They're like, hey, this teacher is still in Africa with visa issues. We need you to cover this class for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> 
<laughs> I literally looked at them and I said, uh, y'all know I was like an insurance agent yesterday, right? <laughs> like I was literally just writing policies yesterday. You'd be fine. Like basically what, this is what they told me that really just uh, it killed me. They're like, basically just make sure like the kids just don't kill each other. And you know, so I'm like, Oh, I'm just like a baby, a babysitter. And so, yeah, I mean, I did that to start the school year. I mean, that was in 2019. Did it for a couple of months where I was literally a teacher responsible for a classroom full of students. I mean, luckily, like my entire time here in Tulsa, I, you know, I've been involved in like church groups where I like led uh, high school, like connect groups and things like that. So I mean, I've got the experience with kids, but it's a little bit different when it's like a professional and educational setting. And I'm supposed to be responsible not only for them not killing each other, but technically should be responsible for them actually learning something. <laughs> what grade was this? Well, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Oh, middle oh, school kids are the worst. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, God. Yeah. The eighth graders there, they thought, I mean, they're at the top of the food chain. Now you couldn't tell them anything except their eighth grade is such a, I mean, that whole, all those three years are such a wild time because you're growing, your body's growing, you're going through hormonal changes. You're trying, you don't know what the hell is happening to you. <laughs> and it's, it's so weird. So, oh my, so dealing with that, like. I just really wanted to be a teacher's aide. That's why I was, that's why I went and I ended up being a teacher for a couple of months. I was getting bounced around from a different grade to different grade to different class. So like there was zero stability, but of course it's TPS. There was zero stability in there. And I finally, I mean, that was one of the, what was supposed to be a good season for me was literally became one of the darkest seasons. And this was literally pre pandemic, but towards the end of 2019, it just became a dark season, but you know, boys are fighting girls. Like, fist fights and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yo, I'm not getting paid the money to come here and be a babysitter and to get kids in trouble all day. Um, so there were days where I would wake up. I wouldn't even go to work. I think at one point I got really bad. It was like a week straight where I would wake up and just say, nah, F this. I'm not, I'm not going in. So finally at the end, I just, I got to a point where I told him, I was like, yo, I can't do this. Um, like I understand y'all are, y'all are trying to make y'all are doing the best you can with what you're given from like TPS. And, you know, you're trying to make the best of your situation, but me for myself, like my mental health and all that stuff, like I, I can't do this. And I felt bad for the kids, you know, because the kids need someone like I connected with them amazingly, but it, it still just wasn't worth me just being so emotionally like distraught every single day, leaving work. I'm calling my mom who lives, who's back on the East coast. And She's a teacher. Um, and I'm just like, surely there's no way it's like this in like the rest of the world, right? Like, tell me. And she's just like, no, that's, that's like what you're going through is hell. So I left that literally after like three months, went back to my insurance job uh, beginning of 2020. The pandemic happened in the middle of the pandemic around, oh, shit, like a, a year ago this month, <laughs> May of last year. I, I, damn. I mean, it's almost close to the day, actually, now that I think about it. Um Almost, yeah, almost a year ago to the day, me and my job kind of parted ways because, again, they saw that didn't really. I went back to my insurance job. They, they gave me a, a job back after I left teaching, which they didn't know that I was like quitting teaching. It was amazing that I had something to tie me over. But went back to my insurance job, got kind of let off in the middle of the pandemic. And so during that whole time, I was always I've always used my Facebook as kind of like my own personal blog or all of my social media. I mean, I did actually have like my own personal blog and like my own website and stuff like that. So I would enjoy writing. I always enjoyed writing and either writing about things that were either controversial, controversial or um, maybe tough subjects that people didn't want to address. But yet we're all thinking it and we're all like want to talk about it. But I enjoyed writing and sharing my perspective and opinion on things. But also bigger than that, I really enjoyed creating a space like cultivating a space for conversation. So allowing people to come in and share their opinions on different subjects in a healthy, respectable, intelligent, mature way, just because I have a very diverse background. I'm sorry. And you said you were able to do that on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was tough at times. <laughs> don't get me wrong. And I, my, I was just telling someone this the other week. I was like, man, my biggest, if someone wants to come in there and act stupid, like I'm not going to delete your comments. I'm not going to tell people I'm not going to save you. Like we're adults. If you come in here and say something ignorant and stupid, when the comment comment section goes ham on you, it's on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so that has happened a few times, quite a few times <laughs> in the past, but um, I enjoyed doing that. And um, I would always get DMS from people who say like either 
uh, the opinion you expressed really helped me to see a different perspective or, you know, I could literally see in the comment sections, people's, the wheels are turning because they're hearing different perspectives from other people. Just because I have a very diverse background and a very diverse friend, friend group, I feel like I'm in a very unique position to where I can just bring a lot of different circles together. And so, yeah, my, I had a, uh, my friend Nehemiah who he owns or founded the Black Wall Street Times. Uh, we were Facebook friends for a few months. And then towards the end of the summer, this is again, while, all while I'm unemployed um, at Chipotle, like the heartburn starting up now. <laughs> I can feel it. This podcast brought to you by Chipotle. <laughs> yeah. No red salsa. Towards the end of the summer, like he like DMs me and is like, Hey, you know, I enjoy, you know, what you write about. You're a powerful, strong black man. You know, your pieces are, are great. Like if whenever, whenever you would love to write for us, like we would love to have you write for us. I mean, I'll pay you per story that you do or whatever. And I was like, yo, dope. Because that, that was literally something on my bucket list was to get paid to write an article. Um, that was one of the things on my bucket list um, that I was able to check off from there. So I did that towards the, the end of the summer of 2020. And then by the end of the year, like in November, he, he like we were just talking. He's like, hey, do you want to come on full time where things are picking up? This next year is going to be wild. Black Wall Street Times is really is really starting to grow and was growing at that time. We're going to pay you to come write for us, write whatever you want. Like, I, I can't think of a better entry point in that avenue. So, yeah, that was at the no- November of 2020. And, and really, it's the rest has been history since then. I mean, I literally left an, an interview today where I interviewed the Russell Westbrook is producing a documentary on the mm-hmm. Tulsa Race Massacre. It's coming out on the History Channel. I got a chance to interview the two directors for that documentary like today so like all of these like the things that have happened in the past like six months have just been mind-blowing and even with this week coming up like the yeah the with the centennial coming up all of the the people that are scheduled to be there the people that i'll be interviewing and like rubbing shoulders with and things like that like it's it's mind-blowing how it's half how fast it's happened and i feel bad because you know i've talked to a few people who who have told me that they're either they have a friend or someone who's like trying to be a journalist and things like that and how they're like, almost like, it's, it's just a tough grind to get in the spot where you're like kind of writing the pieces that you want to write or getting the notoriety and things like that. And I kind of feel bad because I'm like, I skipped a few steps, <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, it's, it's been a phenomenal opportunity and like, I don't take it lightly at all. And yeah, I mean, I really think like the sky is literally the limit for the Black Wall Street Times. I mean, we just did, I think we just surpassed over a million viewers for the first time, like in the media outlets history in April. Um, April is the first month ever where we did a million viewers without like Juneteenth or anything like that, like without something big like that. So mm-hmm. it, it's really blown up and it's, it's fun to be a part of that for sure. How much is the, I guess the audience, how much of it is it national versus local? Do you- What's crazy is when we've seen the, the demographics, because, yeah, um, it's always interesting because it's like, okay, do we just want to write about like local Tulsa pieces mm-hmm. or do we, out of all the cities, I think top 10, Tulsa was either seventh or 10th in viewership. And the founder who's started the Black Wall Street Times is from Tulsa, is a Tulsa, it's a Greenwood descendant and has lived in Tulsa, splits time in Tulsa and Atlanta. But I think like Atlanta's number one, then there's Dallas, Chicago, possibly DC, but like huge cities are like mm-hmm. the top like five. And it's like, oh. So it's a wide viewership of people on there for sure. So that that was that's also has been very eye opening as well because it's like okay, I'm not just writing to like my friends who I I do life with here in Tulsa. I'm writing to like a national base, and people are DMing me from all over the country and stuff like that. So do you have any Australian uh, visitors to your website? I'm trying to track down the five Australian listeners to Pot for Good that we have. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder if it's the same five people. <laughs> right. So I, I will keep an eye out all right. um, because the DM, you know, the likes and the DMs and things like that, you know, it's, they're like, Hey, good day. Good day, Mike. And man, people want to, people are itching. Like they want to be they, they want to be kind of have like that notoriety and they want to share their thoughts as well. Like people feel like they're qualified. And I say this cause I'm like, who the, I'm not qualified either, but people feel like they're qualified. I mean, I want to write for y'all. Cause Neo Nehemiah just put out a, um, a Facebook post like last week or two weeks ago. Hey, like if you would like to write, write for us, like, you know, you could feel free to enter in a submission and like, we'll consider it. And I remember even I mean, we had Slack before we had any physical space and 
Nehemiah just kind of like brought it to the group. It's like, hey, would y'all consider like, would y'all want to work in like a, a physical office space? Like, yeah, we have these people who are potentially like, you know, want to give us this space. Like, what do y'all think? What do y'all want? And to, so just to remember that of, it was just such a nonchalant, like, hey, would you guys want this measly space? And now it's like, we're, we're raising tens of thousands of dollars. Like we're, we're building literally this, this office space to see it where it started from to where it is now. And then where it's going to go is pretty uh, alarming. Yeah. It, ha- it happened really <laughs> yeah. quickly, man. It's, I mean, I feel like it was in like early March when it was sort of made public that you guys were trying to raise money for a thing. And then the next thing I saw Nehemiah is posting like the, the sign mm-hmm. that he got made. I'm like, Oh, we're already at sign level. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and this week it's happening even faster. I mean, at the beginning of the week, we didn't really, there's not really much, there's not any furniture inside of the store. So today's Monday by Thursday is our grand opening at Thursday at 4 PM. <laughs> like we're this next week is wild. The amount of people who are coming in, I think furniture is getting delivered tomorrow. We have a huge Inside of the um, the office space is a huge like when you go to New York New York City and you mm-hmm. see one of those newsstands. Yeah, um, it's a huge newsstand That's and awesome. that just got painted literally two days ago. <laughs> and so yeah, everything's coming together extremely quickly. One, I'm excited. One, I'm excited for the merch. Mm-hmm. I want to buy some merch. Mm-hmm. Two, of like local Kickstarters. I'm not gonna say how much I gave to the Black Wall Street Times, but it was a lot more than I've given to other like worthy Telsa Kickstarters. I was like, no, <laughs> well, this this I want to give mine to because it's. One, it's amazing that it's a media entity that is thriving in our current day and age. And two, it is, I mean, Nehemiah was right. Like there's a voice that was empty. Mm -hmm. There there was a gap in the storytelling and the reporting on what was happening in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And he's filling it so well. And again, also not a journalist. It's it's interesting when I understand your feelings of skipping ahead of people who like went to school to be a journalist. But sometimes the situation just sort of presents itself. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point about, you know, the voice was missing and that, that I think that's why it's not just resonating in Tulsa, but it is resonating, resonating nationally. Yeah. You know, one of the things that from reading victory of Greenwood from our last, uh, last week's guest, uh, Carlos Moreno is that, I mean, you, you see that the, what happened to the, the black media outlets here in Tulsa happened all over the country. Mm -hmm. Most of them were, one way or another silenced, you know, either the areas where they were, were destroyed or, or something. Right. So it's something that's definitely been missing in our landscape. I I think right now we're technically like the number one black owned media outlet in Oklahoma. I was in such a, a a cult my entire time here in Tulsa for the most part, except for the past like three or four years has been in such like a small cultish bubble where I don't know much of anything, but yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity to give voices to people and to groups who wouldn't necessarily have their voices either um, heard or have an opportunity to, to share their story and the truth behind their story. So it it is empowering to know that, you know, we're, we're giving the ability to people to have a voice. And so, yeah, it's, it's empowering. It's, It's humbling for sure to to know that and you feel kind of that expectation and the weight of that and so you want to i want to carry that well and do well with that so chris i don't think i ever told you this story but mike once asked me he want he wanted to record like a a demo episode of a podcast idea he had so it was him a mecca and two of his white ORU friends who were both they were the, they were both pastors mm-hmm. No, but no. they worked at, they were on staff they, at Victory. They, they, they worked at Victory, Victory Christian. They, they, oh yeah. We're going to say the name Victory Christian Center, 7,700 <laughs> South Lewis Avenue. I'm going to add that out. Uh, <laughs> they did not agree with you politically, but they were your friends and it was supposed to be like a, you know, uh, bringing people together. And the episode's hilarious, but the two guys got a little nervous about how free they were with their opinions and ah. stories. And so it will never see the live day, but it was a delight for me. It's one listener. Yeah. I should actually get the file for that shit just in case everyone <laughs> will blackmail them. <laughs> you know what? I've got this hanging over your head. And, yeah, we, and right. we recorded inside the, pretty sure that I was inside the pastor's office at the church there. Um, and so we're cursing inside the office. Yeah. And, and, but yeah. I it mean, was a delight. I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's literally what I feel like my, that's what I want to do with my life is just to bring different people together. And I think it was even like one of the taglines on my website at one point, but to show that there's more that unites us than divides us. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we get down to the nitty gritty Generally speaking, I mean, we all want the same thing. Everyone's happiness to feel loved, to feel heard, 
uh, sure, we have different opinions on maybe like, let's say how the, the economy should be ran or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like you would hope that people yep. just, we all agree that, you know, everyone deserves to have their, mm-hmm. their voice be heard. Everyone deserves to live in safety and not be judged by the yep. color of the skin or their beliefs or who they love or things like that. And so as much as possible, everywhere, everywhere where I've gone, I've tried to just like instill that in the people around me. It's like, yeah, we're bringing people together and what we're doing. So I, I want to dig into that a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated because I don't know if this is, if these voices are just louder or if there really are more of them. People who seem to think that it is perfectly acceptable to have opinion of say that people like Jesse shouldn't exist or people like you should not exist or should be somewhere else and not here. So I guess, how do you figure out what is somebody who you can actually have a conversation with yeah. versus someone that I don't want to say is a lost cause, right. but there's no, there's no value in that conversation. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> shit, that's a, look, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. Like I, to, to me at, at some point I realized that there, like you said, is no longer value to the conversation or value in, you know, me and that person being open or discussing ideas. Like at, at some point I just realized, okay, this is we're we're not building to, we're not moving towards something at all here. And so do I think that there's, I mean, I, I don't know if there's, I think those voices of those people are just, they're loud. They're screaming into the abyss and, you know, yeah. Huh. That's a good question. I was, I, I got, I've got to think on that one. <laughs> Sit with that one. So, you know where this is coming from. I've been watching the, the documentary on Q on, uh, yeah. on HBO mm. right now. And just shit. I don't know how to documentary on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is. It's, huh. and it gets real deep into like all the, 8chan stuff, which I didn't really, I'm naive. 8chan is where 4chan. Yeah, this 8chan is where the people who 4chan was too moderated went to. Yeah, yeah, 4chan wasn't open enough, so they started 8chan. (laughs) Yeah, think about that. And just the darkness of that. And and so that's that's why, that's where this, because I was like watching some of that. And I I realized some of those people are, as you said, just screaming into the void. I I don't even know if they believe that stuff or they're just trying to shock people. Right. But it there, I know that there are people, there've been studies to show that, that people are getting radicalized by those Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. So maybe what, what you're saying, Jesse, talk to the people who are getting radicalized rather than the people who are who doing are, the yeah, radicalizing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause once, cause the, here's the thing, the, the saddest part of this whole story is so the people doing the radical radicalizing, they know exactly what they're doing. Oh, hell yeah. And they, and they yeah. don't like, they don't care. Yeah. Right. But it's people getting radicalized who actually want to believe in something and want to believe right. that the universe and the world has a, like the, the, the weird thing about conspiracy theorists is that they want there to be an order. They don't care if the order is against them or not. They just want to know that yeah. there's some, there's, mm-hmm. there's people controlling things that, that gives them some weird sense of peace. Yeah. Right. Even if, even if that's against them mm-hmm. and you have to give, trying to explain to everyone that the universe is a chaotic place. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but yeah. Yeah. it's better than leaving them on HM. I can tell you that. And then, yeah. well, and then they want to belong too. people. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. The b- huge driving force in our nature is we want to belong to something. And so, yeah, I mean, those, they find a group where it's like, oh shit, maybe like all I gotta believe is this little crazy thing, but then I've got this group of people who are gonna embrace me mm-hmm. and you know support me and have my back whenever I speak up. But I do need to watch that Q documentary. But I have seen one on the one on Netflix where I forget the name, but it was about like social media and just how they pump oh, the yeah. ads at you, and 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 yeah. it's you can clearly see why people, when brain, everyone. All of our brain, we're so malleable to where, like, man, you just give someone information for a long enough period of time, mm-hmm. regardless of if they started out believing that, they're going to be moved and they're going to be swayed toward that way. Like, the information that you're giving them, pumping them over and over again. So, I mean, after watching that documentary, you can see how people all of a sudden they go off the deep end it's just because they're getting pumped this information. Mm-hmm. And then you have this group of people who are who are supporting them in the information that they're getting pumped, um, pumped with. And, and it's just... Yeah, it's alarming. And yes. so back to your original question, actually, I, I would say that there there are I, I've seen there are a lot of there are a lot of people in that regard to that light who are just um, going off like different deep ends because of the information they're getting and because of the the community that they're choosing to align themselves with. 
different comment sections that I see on our posts, on other news media posts, like the fact that people are, excuse me, it's the hot salsa again. The, <laughs> the fact that people are willing to put their name and picture, their profile picture. And some of these are, I mean, they're, they're real profiles, not just bots, but their name and picture behind some of the comments that they're saying. Mm -hmm. And you see it over and over. And I, and I read comment sections because I love to troll passive aggressively here and there. Um, Me too. Yeah. Oh, I love it, man. Uh, she just, you two should just do coordinated really, attacks. Yeah, just like everyone's gonna have to try to get Jesse <laughs> bail, bail out. I got, just bail. I got out. real deep in some city council meetings during the mask mandate debates. I got <laughs> yes, so yes, so I'm yeah. saying, man. Shit I was like, you're dumb, you're dumb, sir. And people, I mean, I mean, the mask thing here in Tulsa, it was a huge one to where it was like. People are showing their asses on social media mm -hmm. with their name and face right there. They got their occupation there, like all that stuff on their profile. And but they're hundred percent comfortable with saying the stuff that they're saying about. Oh man, I both I both Jesse started. and I stopped going to uh, where we were getting our haircuts because of yeah uh, because of that. Oh, wow. We found I felt well first. I found I found out the owner was one of the people who was suing the city over the mask mm -hmm. mandate. Then I found out the guy was involved with all kinds of stuff, including speaking at the uh, in insurrection in uh, oh, D.C. Shit. Yeah. And before that, I noticed his podcast sponsors were all like the same podcast sponsors you'd see on Tucker Carlson. I'm like, uh, nope. Damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was I, like, all right, well, I there goes that. Pretty big, pretty big bullet like you. I was, me and this girl, we weren't dating, but um, we were really good. We were close friends. We had hooked up a couple of times. And so I was like, man, I, I you know. We get along great. I would love to date her. And then um, her her father was one of the people that ended up suing the city, and is one of the people was one of the people that was kind of like going around with that little crew as a professional. I mean, one of the privileges I didn't realize I had of the many privileges I had was that I was in a family that all uh, the, we all were on the same political spectrum. Like we argued, but we were arguing over minute mm -hmm. things. Like, but. I'm realizing now that like lots of especially progressive Oklahomans did not grow up in an environment where they had other progressives to talk to. And I'm like, I mean, that just, it took me a while to realize, yeah, like I'm, I'm able to so freely speak about my values is because those were always my values. Those are my family's values. My dad is actually much more liberal than I am. And that it's hard. I mean, mm -hmm. especially, especially broken arrow, broken arrow, get your shit together. <laughs> Embarrassing, <laughs> embarrassing on a weekly basis. The, the mask suggestion that they revoked. Anyway, all right, we're not going to go. But yeah, I mean, like things are, especially with everyone stuck at home, like when we were deep in the pandemic, people really just, it's almost like people just like gave up the anything they would have held back because they would have to see people in person later on. When that was taken away, people were like, here we go. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And because, you know, yeah. I mean, 4chan, 8chan, Reddit, you don't have to put your real name, right? Right. But Facebook, you do. Well, Reddit, Reddit, at least, is one of the reasons they didn't use Reddit, because they talked about this. Yeah. 8chan is like if you took 4chan and Reddit and put them together. Yeah. Because Reddit makes you at least register. Yes, that's true. You have true. to be a real person. Mm -hmm. 8chan, no. they, they know nothing about you. All they At most, they have an IP address. And even that, the only person who can see it is the... Is like the owner. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. The, 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 the owner who's actually Q uh, by the end of the, the documentary. Uh, spoilers. When, if you get deep in the stories about like the rise of um, anti-Semitism in America, A-Chan always makes an appearance. I'm like, there it is. Oh, can we talk about, side note, deep conspiracy stuff. Can we talk about aliens here for a second? Sure. Yeah. Because holy There's shit. a lot of alien sightings, right? I know. What's happening? I, I like how the whole whole world just sort of like, uh, we got too much shit going on. We remember, can't deal with aliens right yeah. now. Do you remember like six months ago when like an Israeli science professor, like who worked for the government but retired, came out and was like, yeah, he's like, we, like, we've cited aliens in the fifties and sixties. Like it's real. And everyone was like, you're crazy. And like oh now my God. I'm like, what is this? Like we have a pretty big report that's about to come out in a couple of weeks. Mm. I think like, everything's being unclassified. And yeah, I mean, we saw that 60 minutes special with those air force people, but like, yo, that's, I think if there's one thing, my friend, one of my friends, I guess there was a movie at one time about the world uniting and coming against aliens. I don't know what the movie was called, but if there's one Independence thing, Independence Day, <laughs> <right>. Watchmen. <laughs> oh, it was one that I've never heard of. It, it wasn't a big one, but if there's one thing that 
at the same time, my God, the world does not need right now is to know about aliens. But also at the same time, it's like, okay, if there's one thing that we can all come together against and at least <laughs> blow that shit up, That's it right. would be aliens. Yeah. We've talked about that, that America hasn't had a common enemy in a yeah, while. Yeah, we need a common so enemy. So we're just like oh. hating on each <laughs> other. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Then, but, yeah, but like what's weird is like, but then there's phase two of like us then questioning like religiously our, Dude, our place in the universe. Where right? the hell does that fit in? Yeah, yeah, also, right? It's, uh, listen, Talk about uncomfortable conversations. Oh yeah. my lord! Yeah, yeah, that's. Woo. I've I've talked about that with my like church friend group, the guys who I did like different ministry programs with, and it's like, yeah, how do you even begin to factor in aliens into the Bible and you know all <laughs> yeah. of that? And so, yeah, I've I've been very comfortable with. I mean, when you think about the universe, not to nerd out here for too long, but uh, when yeah. you think about the, <laughs> when I when I've always thought about the universe. It's huge. Our brains literally can't comprehend how big it is. There's the, the odds, like there has to be something out there. Number yeah. one, I've always just kind of like settled with that thought and just knowing that there's things that I don't know. There's things that I can't comprehend and chances are there's probably some other shit out there. I've always been okay with that and just kind of like putting that, that thought right there in the back of my mind. But now that it's like getting brought to the forefront and now that they're starting to get like images to that shit and classified documents to, oh no, here's those things that you, you know, thought were out there. It's like, okay, this is actually borderline terrifying. The fact that they can go zero to 80,000 feet like that. Well, see, I mean, that's the issue. Like, yeah, like we all hypothetically can believe that aliens probably exist somewhere, but the fact that they have been around long enough to develop these technologies and are close enough to, to this solar system to come visit us. Like that's the, the, the percentage chance of that is very slim. So like, it's like, is, is life in the universe only in this like one sort of quadrant? Like, mm. I mean, it's going to be like, are they, do they just want to probe our buttholes or do, <laughs> oh my God. do they want to destroy us? Or are they oh, just like, shit. you know, let's, explorers? Let's like, pray they don't need a resource for us. Yeah. How, how excited do you think that ancient aliens guy is? Oh, He's got to be man. really excited. He's like, this is so, my moment. <laughs> what ancient? I don't know. Okay, oh. It was this, it's a show. Is it history channel? Yeah. History channel. I think, uh, this is like, channel. Oh, is that like the popular GIF where the dude's yes, like yes. crazy yes. here? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. What'd you call it? GIF. Are you a GIF? First GIF? of all, Okay, hold on. The dude who invented it. Don't care. He's not a linguist. Y'all yeah. like my fucking father. Yo. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's short, shorthand for graphic. I don't give two shits what it's short for. You cannot tell the person who invented something, hey, what you invented, that's actually wrong. He invented, Where do we he get invented off? the thing, not what it's called. Where do we get off telling someone that their invention is uh, wrong? I'll tell Here's you. Here's the thing. It's a G. I've always called it GIF, and I don't want to change. So yeah. uh, he's wrong, not me. Yeah. <laughs> It's not peanut butter, <laughs> you know, and you know what? Every so single time I say it, I say one of the two, not quite sure which one is the real one. And I'm just waiting for the response from the person. So me saying Jeff, okay, so that's actually the right one. That, that That's what he said. Okay. Got it. I'm still getting shit for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I truly don't care. It's just a fun nerd argument. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, oh, it is. Cause you can get real deep into it. Like, well, the inventors, I was like, but yeah, but linguistically, like, <laughs> right. Uh, right. It's, it's the best nerd argument because okay, there is no, no right answer. Fuck that. Because if we want to get linguistic, American English is one of the worst languages yes. out there. We've oh, said absolutely. that many times. So there's no uh, real rules. So you're right. <laughs> so, Every rule is broken at least once. Absolutely. So there's nothing linguistically that we should be able to like rely back on. Well, look at American, you know, language here. We, you know, we have this rule to say why it should be GIF, not JIF. I wonder, no. I wonder if England, if it's just if, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah, because they, they, they like to drop G and H's from things. Yeah. So, well, that was a fun side tangent. Yeah, wow. right. So let, let's, by, by the time this episode comes out, this in, the centennial uh, will have happened and Tulsa, Tulsa's sort of uh, progressive social justice oriented people will be gearing up towards Juneteenth, um, which this year will hopefully be less... I don't know what the right word would be. Won't involve a racist president. Yes. Um, Shit, that's right. I that forgot about ago, last Yeah, right. Um, Isn't it amazing that that was literally just a year ago? Yeah. Because our, our Nehemiah was talking about it today. Our founder was talking about it today about how much of a headache last year was. And I was like, Shit, I don't, I don't remember last year at all. But I wasn't. That's because I wasn't working anywhere. But yeah, I mean, he <laughs> he tried coming here to Tulsa as the first event. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it during that shit. He was going to come yeah. on the day, and like, oh, man. I mean, I, I, the conversation to convince him to move it a day, they must have. Can like, you imagine? Like, yeah, um, like who had to be the first, uh, like intern to be like, hey, Donnie, you know that's you know that's June 
Like a, the black, you're like the, the what black is that? People love that holiday. Yeah. What is what's <laughs> because of the opening of the the office and store and the centennial. You haven't really had a chance to think about what the Black Wall Street Times is gearing up towards for mm-hmm. Juneteenth. But if you if you do have any information about what it's gearing up for, it's like we would love to hear that because that's actually something that'll be useful to our listeners. Yeah. Unlike our talk about the centennial, which will have passed by the time this episode's <laughs> out. Well, I believe we'll have another uh, newspaper coming out for Juneteenth. I think last year we did. Yeah, last yeah. year was the newspaper, yeah. which yeah, was there. yeah. I was gonna say um, you, you still have it over there. Yeah, yeah, I need to frame it. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was a pretty you know pretty big hit. And so I th- yeah, we have, an, have another newspaper um, coming out, which is actually following our a magazine we have coming out. Um, which you get as a certain level of the Kickstarter, right? You get for the Kickstarter for donating to the Dang Kickstarter. It. Yeah, it's called Greenwood 100. A huge, I think there's like 120 pages of the magazine. And, you know, I had a, you know, I wrote a couple stories in there. I was like the photo editor for the magazine. So like a big hand in it. And it is, it's powerful. So all of the listeners go get the magazine. You can come down to our, um, our storefront over on Archer and get that. When does, when does it come out? <laughs> I think when we, we like opening day. So that's another thing that you have uh, for Thursday. Yeah. So right. I'll have that. Yeah. I think actually we literally just, I got, literally just got a text that said they just sent a, it went to print, I believe say it went to print a few days ago. And I think something happened today where like they sent off the final proofs or whatever. So, I mean, everything again is happening so fast. So um, since it will already be out, mm-hmm. is there anything juicy from it that yeah. you want to, you want to drop on us? Oh yeah. They, we get into some shit about buying them. Um, <laughs> I had a feeling based on the hints, my thought was we're either going to find out about something about GT or his, or his yeah. family. We're yeah. going to find out yeah. something. <laughs> I mean, again, it was, it was a year ago, Juneteenth that like 30% of the town just turned against mm, GT I and know. they were like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. He, he had so much goodwill and, and he just, mm-hmm. up in smoke. And he was like, you know what? Don't I've, need this. I've seen my, so actually now technically this podcast cannot come out before, uh, <laughs> this week at all because yeah. of the shit I'm about to say. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. and so yeah, what's funny is Facebook memories is a bitch because I've seen some of my past statuses around this time, like around last year and stuff where I'm like praising GT mm-hmm. for like the way he handled the mask, uh, mandates and things like that, because no one in Oklahoma wanted to, but GT right. was mm-hmm. like, no Tulsa, we're going to do this. Like, he did great early on. Yeah. He really did. And, and so for the past couple of years, I've seen different statuses praising him to where now I'm just like, oh shit. Like Ooh. I can't ever share those memories. <laughs> yeah. It's just, here's the thing. Like he's obviously not a terrible dude. He mm-hmm. is just, he's making future political decisions, right, exactly. which are not the best decisions right. for Telsa right now. Exactly. And, and it's just sad that he's not willing to, I mean, obviously. Well, the, let's be fair. It might be the best decision for parts of Tulsa, but it is ignoring and yeah. leaving behind. Yeah. Parts of Tulsa that historically mayors of Tulsa have left yeah. behind. Yeah, not for sure. Like it's, when I saw him cheer, like the, the video of the uh, Oasis grocery store opening, I was like, how many people were silently booing him at that moment? <laughs> oh, everyone, everyone was like, yo, you didn't like, come on, man. You, you weren't. It? Yeah. You didn't get yeah. two shits. Yeah. Cause or else this would have happened four years ago, but yeah, he's, he's got a, a pretty big piece on him in the, in the magazine just with his, his family being clan mm-hmm. members um, and owning slaves. And the history in that, I mean, our founder, Neil, you know, he's been doing research for years. Yeah. And I actually, me and what's pretty wild is, so like, again, I wear many titles at the Black Wall Street Times and photo guy is one of them. Um, so Neil, a couple of weeks ago, we were going to the University of Tulsa's library mm-hmm. because they actually, how they, they have original KKK rosters of, of for, for Tulsa. Back in the the KKK days, and this one was in like the late twenties. You know, you'd go, you'd, they'd have events, which is just fucking wild to think about. Yeah. That they would have events. You'd go in and sign your name, address, occupation, all go to the shit. KKK gala. It's, 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 like, it's like the Facebook of our day, of our day it's right? Unreal, and yeah. it's like yo, this, and they're just willing to put again. So it's the same people today who are willing to say the shit that they say in the comment section with their picture and their name and their jobs and their profile pages. It's these same people back then who were going to these events and writing all their information in there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's public records, but who, number one, really knows about it? Number two, who's going to spend the time, take the time to go see yeah. it? But me and him were there a couple of weeks ago looking at the roster and kind of going through and looking at all of the different occupations who were in the KKK in Tulsa back in the 20s, which literally every single job that you can think of inside of a city it was represented in that roster and looking for specific names of past mayors. I think the mayor at the time 
might have been the, the the guy who was the like librarian guy. He he was a big historian on the KKK, just knowing who was in there and who was not in there. But yeah, just going and like holding those pieces of paper that are literally a hundred years old inside of a binder and just seeing it, it was all very surreal. So I kind of I went home that day, and I mean I, I'm there taking pictures of my camera and stuff for him to use for the magazine. But as we left, I was like, "Yo, I think I'm gonna write like a, a Facebook piece on this." Um, again, just to create conversation and for people to realize that, like, we like to think of the KKK as, oh, it's this weird fringe group that they were crazy doing their own thing. And it's like, no, teachers, lawyers, dentists, doctors, people in the like city council, mayors, the police chief. I, I saw mm-hmm. the names of every single one of those inside that roster. And so I made a status that day with a picture of it, just, just saying that same thing about like, yo, look how widespread this was. There's no way that like, like seeing this, it absolutely indicts the city of Tulsa as being responsible for the massacre massacre, because you have every single industry inside the city represented inside this roster. Like you can't say that the city is not either responsible for this or doesn't, shouldn't pay retributions or any of that when it's like, no, every single industry inside the city was represented in the KKK and was responsible for the burning down of Greenwood. And so I started, I mean, yeah, I said all that in a Facebook post. I felt like I kept my thoughts or I was pretty professional about it, but man, that post started blowing up as far as like likes. And then people started commenting their thoughts like, oh, yo, y'all need to, y'all need to like air out every single person in the, <laughs> in the roster. I'm like, hold the fuck up. Cause for number one, the roster is about yeah. six inches thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's hundreds of names on a page, but yeah, people are all giving their opinions about it and just it, it started blowing up i mean that my status started going viral i was like oh damn and so nehemiah texted me later that day like yo we're giving the story away like you can't you can't be giving the story away before the magazine i felt bad because i was like shit so i had i went down like deleted it and archived uh, the post but um yeah i mean gt's family yeah. is, is in there they own slaves nehemiah wrote a really big piece on which is what that the roster um, pictures and stuff were were helping was the piece about just how Tulsa is responsible for what took place back in Greenwood. And the mayor today, he's got to come to grips with that. Yo, your family was, you know, slaveholders and stuff. And we're not, resp- we, we can't be, re- we're not necessarily responsible for what our family from a hundred years ago did. But I mean, you got to, you got to take that into consideration when you're now the mayor of that same city. Um, number one, like acknowledge that. Nehemiah's got a, he's got a pretty big piece that about that's going to be he, he, yeah. By the time we're listening to this, yeah. <laughs> the, the mayor's office probably will have put out some, at statement. least a statement yeah. in regards to it. Well, if I can, if I can put on my uh, American Jewish history hat again, the, the brilliant thing that the KKK did when it reformed uh, in the early 20th century was make it a, the KKK of the mid 1800s was more private, was a, but people weren't writing their names down. Right. But it was they, also more purely a terrorist organization yes. it, yeah. where whereas in the it became like terrorist plus social club yeah mm-hmm. yeah like making it a social club is what gave it the ability to just sort of take over towns and you know some people people joined it because they're like well i want to be a police chief someday or whatever yeah. Yeah. i want to be city librarian yeah you want right? to know what institutional racism is yeah, it's, when it's, yeah when every person in government your teachers your bakers, your everyone, every single one, <laughs> every yeah. industry is represented in the KKK, and yeah. they're responsible for not only the next generation of white people, but also ostensibly everyone. responsibility yeah. for everyone. Yeah, it's going look, to have an impact. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You can't just go to a KKK meeting and just brush it off, right? Like you go to enough of them, like eventually it seeps in, just yeah. like the yeah. You don't just leave everything there at the door inside, you know, the building when you when you uh, after you leave, like all right, well, we're just gonna leave I, that there. I just came for the punch and cake, yeah. Yeah. you know. Oh man, yeah, it's yeah, it was a very. I don't know if I, I didn't think I didn't know what I was getting ready to get myself into, like going there, like hearing that you're gonna look at the KKK rosters. But leaving, it was a very humbling and almost like earth shattering thing. Because like you said, that man, the institutional racism, like you, I'm literally looking at it on paper just because, yeah, just seeing, I mean, like you said, Baker, dentist, I mean, dentist, people who are supposed to take care of you, doctors. If your doctors are racist, 
like how the hell are you going to get proper health care if your mm-hmm. bakers and everybody's racist? Like, do you really think you're getting quality food if your lawyers are racist? Like, and so, yeah, just seeing it be spread across every single industry yeah. is really disheartening to think about mm-hmm. what it must have been like to, to live back then. And, you know, to be in a town like Tulsa, where it's just, you know, you're already living through, um, you've already lived through, I mean, if you survived the massacre, and then to survive the massacre, we, we had an interview with um, with the directors today of the of one of the documentaries, and we were saying like, man, imagining surviving, imagine surviving the massacre, and then having to still do life with the white people who came and burnt mm-hmm. your, your part of the town oh, yeah. down, right? And then now to know that, wait, that my lawyer. Oh, so the person, the lawyer there, I saw the lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. in Greenwood burning it down, and so now, and this is the person like either supposed to help defend me or the person trying to put me away or the judge. The judge was there with, you know, a rifle killing people in Greenwood. And now this is the person I'm sitting before. So it's like, I can't even imagine what yeah. it must have been like to to be around back then. And um, I think one of the directors today said it just, you know, we're highlighting highlighting the survivors and the those people who did survive it and who did have to still live life in the midst of their oppressors and killers and stuff. And the word he used was like resilient. And it's like, yeah, that's that's. That's it because, you know, there's even in the midst of all that, like they still were pushing on. And, you know, I, I don't think I, as strong as I like to think I am, I don't know if I have that kind of resilience to be able to no. do that. I mean, again, a reminder to our listeners, like the Nazis pretty much copied the KKK's rules for who was white and who wasn't and just replaced uh, black with Jew. Mm. Like they, they lose, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, th- these Americans got it. Like. We don't even need to do any work. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the racism of the early 20th century KKK was immense and affected things far beyond the, the things that were happening both here in Tulsa, in Oklahoma and in, in the United States. Yeah. The moral question Jews always ask themselves if, was if I was a regular German citizen, would I have hidden a Jewish family in my house? I would like to think I'd be strong enough to do that. But would I be willing to put my own family at risk? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're like, well, those people were amazing. Cause that's a, you know, that's something we face moral questions and challenges in our lives, but we have not had that, that sort of moment. Right. Like, would you have stopped a car full of white people hanging towards Greenwood in 1921? Right. Would you have hidden, if you were the Zeros, would you have hidden black people in your basement? Yeah. As the one not black store. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and, the, and the majority of people love to think that, oh man, I would have done that. Or, oh man, I would have, you know, been there marching with Martin Luther King there and stuff like that. So that, that gives me a credence to share his quotes and stuff nowadays. And it's like, wait a second, like, look at the statistics back then when MLK was around or even further back mm-hmm. with the, the KKK, the, the statistics do not support what right. all of y'all are saying. Yeah. He was not liked. He, yeah. Yeah, he was one he was of the most unpopular. disliked yeah. people in, in America. And I, I make that status every single year. Yeah. To show, like to to point out that some of y'all motherfuckers are lying. Yeah. yeah. To Again, put it yeah. point like just to yeah. put it frankly, I, actually a lot of y'all are lying because yeah. in a room full of ten of y'all, about seven of y'all would have been there spitting on people and throwing them out of the stores and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, don't Again, get me started. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite memes is the Clippy. I see you're trying to misuse a Martin Luther King quote. Can I help you out here? <laughs> Man, uh, I missed that. That was on Microsoft Word, wasn't it? Yeah, long time ago. Golly, yeah. I remember that in school. Yeah, R.I.P. Clippy. Bring Clippy back. So we've talked about a lot of different stuff. And knowing, once again, this is coming out after the majority of the commemoration events, centennial events. So I want to pause there. I want our listeners to know that was intentional. I didn't think it was Chris and I's place to say anything this week. That's not for us. Right. We are, we are here to be co-conspirators and allies and uh, to be useful in any way we are asked to be, but it, our voices are not important this week. Yeah. You mentioned the, the, uh, the magazine coming out. What are some other things? What are some things that are going to be coming out after this podcast? Some things you can plug magazine coming out. Um, so you can always pick up that. I'm sure there'll be, you could, and if you're not local in town, you can get that online at the blackwallstreettimes.com. Uh, we will have a, a newspaper coming out for Juneteenth as well, which I'm sure will be available online. I mean, really on all of our, you know, Black Wall Street Times, all social medias, we're going to be picking up here just 
we're doing so again, now that we, we finally have a space to operate out of, it's opening up the doors for us to do pretty much anything and everything. And I think we're going to dabble in that as far as like video creation, either on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Um, gonna do that and try and find really um what works for us, but we'll be putting out content on there as much as possible. Again, just trying to illuminate as many stories as possible. Uh give voice to as many different people in creative ways. Our last thing is that, again, now that we're doing interviews back in person, mm-hmm. uh, we have our guests sort of look around the incredible nerd cave that is my office mm-hmm. and see if anything calls to them or if they're if they're so curious about something, they would like me to explain, uh, explain to what explain the heck to, it is. Yeah, explain <laughs> what it is. Well, I've already asked about the three weird um, flags on the wall behind you? me. Which is, Are you ever going to turn this into, like, is it going to be a video thing as well? Are you going to go back to doing video? Did you ever do video? No, you just uh, go Zoom. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm now learning how to do video, so I could, but then well, like- sure, I just put up a camera right there. Yeah, I mean, I could. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking about doing it tonight, but like, I feel like I should give my, the, the guest warning before I do that. So. You should have fucking done it. Yeah. Actually. Now I'm out of you for that. All right. <laughs> um, well, I guess I have to, I'm going to have to come back. There you go. Um, we'll get you actually, back. I really did want to come back anyway, just so I can sit through this setup if, again. If you, wanna, and... if you want to nerd out about my podcast equipment, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I see that. Let's- um. Who's that? Not the not the um, diver suit, but the big bobblehead next to him. Oh, uh, that is Ash from um, the Evil Dead movies and Army of Darkness. Bruce, uh, Cam- it, Bruce Campbell. Does he have to do with these three flags? No, right here? nope. Okay, no. Uh, it's sort of um, zombie adjacent. Um, yes. Uh, Army of Darkness is the third movie in a movie trilogy, where in the third one he goes back in time to fight the undead. It's a it's a white nerd favorite from the '90s. Probably hasn't aged well. I would say on a man to woman relationship uh, right. tier, but a little bit of misogyny in there. Yeah, a little bit. But um, it, he's also just mostly making fun of people being stupid uh, from the Middle Ages. That's pretty much the uh, overall gag, and that's a bobblehead of him because he's a very large chin. So yeah. I've got a pretty uh, big rule about I don't really watch movies before 2000 anymore. So there's probably zero percent chance of me. Yeah, that's watching okay. that. I'll look, uh, I'll look up, I'll look up gifs of it uh, later though. I didn't understand what you just said. <laughs> uh, well, what about peanut butter? I don't understand yeah. what's going on. <laughs> uh, oh, Mike, uh, thank you so much yeah, for uh, taking time out of a very busy week and post yeah. uh, Chipotle bowl to come back to us. Oh my God. Yes. I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm excited. Um, number one for this. And like I said, I'm excited to come back just because I now enjoy the setup. Like, yeah, it's there you go. A little next time with video. Turned on. That's right. So. Oh, yes. All right. Good. Sweet. May. thank you all for listening to our conversation with mike i know that conversation went all over the place and it had a lot more curse words than our conversations normally have but i didn't have time to bleep it all because i've been busy with centennial stuff so i hope you all enjoyed it please check out the black wall street times if you haven't go check out their physical location now it's a very cool space and um you know, you can find pick up their new mag magazine. Yes, pick up the magazine, buy a shirt, or if you want to spend some extra money, buy the cool jacket they have. It is cool. You can find Mike on on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm assuming on Twitter. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but I can tell you that Pod for Good on TikTok? Twitter. Maybe TikTok. I don't know. Maybe TikTok. He he seems like the right age for TikTok, but mm. we are not. Uh, but please follow Pod for Good on Facebook and please um, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. And you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to ask you to leave reviews anymore because that's too complicated. So do this for me, this one thing. Go to www.podforgood.com and just make sure you are as- accessing the show in the easiest way for you. As always, get it done, Tulsa. And if you're asked to, wear a mask. <laughs>